Frank, I did something absolutely amazing right before Thanksgiving, which is I simplified user testing for the mm. Xamarin Live Player. Simplified? I thought we were already using like 100 different services with 10 different backends, with different CI paths going to create different builds, with different access keys, sending out emails. I mean, how could you possibly simplify that? Okay, so here's what was happening. We we have a obviously app store build that you can get for iOS and Android, but we also have this kind of fast ring slash mm. early preview access version. Yeah, the good stuff, in other words. The good, good, yeah. <laughs> and um, kind of how these processes in mobile work ends up being very tedious for the developer because while we do have a continuous integration service with continuous delivery that's pushing up all these files, so we just push code and it all gets up there, the problem is inviting our amazing developers mm. to try our product. And this yeah. today is a manual process. You are essentially forced to enter people's email address um, um, to have a list of people that get invites to test flight, then they accept a registration link, and then they can download the app and then get updates. And once they're in, it's easy. Mm -hmm. And on Google, it's kind of in between. They have open and closed betas. And technically, we had an open and a closed beta. So the closed betas are very similar in a way where you have to invite people. So what we had essentially was a registration form that you filled out. And then every single week I would go in and I would manually upload these names and emails to both <laughs> Apple and Google. It was terrible. So it was a manual process in the end, even after all these services and everything, you were still manually transferring all these names and emails? Correct. Over oh, and over okay. and over again. See, yeah, I thought from, this would be a solved problem because we've we've had decent uh, beta testing software in the past, right? Old test flight before uh, Apple consumed them. Uh, were we ever able to do public links on that? I never did. I always did. Um, please send me your email address. Uh, did they ever support public links? Mm, so test flight never did. Now, mm -hmm. services such as Hockey App or now App Center, for instance, they have a, um, a one-click send out a URL yeah. Boom, good to go. That sounds good. So what's wrong with that? Great question. Now, that is pretty great when you're doing internal testing. So just mm. for your company. Yeah. Or for a group of friends that you trust. The problem here is that Microsoft is a company. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Are you going to bring money into this? Is this a <laughs> no, money no, conversation? No. <laughs> no money. No money. The problem here is that actually Google's pretty okay with that. We could have totally done that and made it really simple, but I don't know. And we have one. We actually have one in Hockey App that you can download that's separate if you don't have Google Play. The problem with iOS, as you know, is the provisioning profile madness. And then you're saying, James, uh. well, don't you have an enterprise account? Of course we have an enterprise account, <laughs> but technically via EULAs and regulations, there's not a good way to, you know, yeah. distribute outside of test flight. You can't just give the world a random IPA file. I mean, you can, but you should. <laughs> no, you absolutely shouldn't. And it's funny, all these years that I've been doing iOS development, I've never once uh, wanted or tried to get an enterprise certificate. This is the one that enables you to distribute to what, like thousands of people, I think it is. There's still an, a limit, but you can have lots of people using your software. And so, yeah, I've always resigned myself to uh, signing with whatever the heck test flight magic was using or going through the proper Apple channels. Mm -hmm. So and, you have an alternative? Well, so it's kind of a combination of things. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to get rid of was the manually copying work because people yeah. would have to wait for someone. There should be no. Oh, my waiting. God. That's terrible. Yeah, I agree. 
I'm all in now. So how do we make people not wait? So I said, there must be a way, Frank, there must be. So I Googled it. That's literally what I did. I wish I did it four months ago. Yeah. And I stumbled, of, of course, upon our great friends over at Fastlane. You know Fastlane. Yeah. So Fastlane has been our unofficial way to access uh, iTunes stuff, uh, provisioning profiles, app data, all that stuff. Um, Apple doesn't provide developers with an API. I guess they don't want us writing tools against that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But Fastlane um, <clears throat> somehow made an API <laughs> to access all that data. So I don't know. They get away with it, though. And Xamarin has lately integrated Fastlane support right into the IDE to streamline a lot of this stuff. Yeah, totally. So there's there's a lot of tools in the Fastlane chain. There's like Deliver, PEM, Cert, Scan, Snapshot, Produce, mm. PreCheck, Pilot, Spaceship. There's all these different <laughs> names. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I but can the one thing I do want to point out is that you were talking about essentially provisioning profiles. And there's tools inside of Fastlane that will query, get all of your provisioning profiles register because those APIs exist because... Xcode does them like it's the mm-hmm. things Xcode does just Apple doesn't let anyone else do it even though those APIs exist so that's where yeah. Fastlane comes in it, it's making a fast lane <laughs> to do all that stuff if you will um, which is for your applications I, I've never uh, myself scripted it but it's always been good to know that it was a possibility I haven't mm-hmm. personally needed it um, I, I guess I just suffer through the portal you know I don't release that many apps that quickly that go into the portal once in a while is that bad for me But gosh, uh, now that that support is built into the IDE itself, that's so much better because it easily takes away, uh, what, 80%? (laughs) The majority of the times I have to go to that portal and use Apple's website, which is kind of hilarious. (laughs) That that was the thing, right? So now at least provisioning of your app is there, but it still doesn't solve our our problem, which is how do I register these people and amazing developers to use my test flight app. And I started thinking about this for all of my applications. I mean, how many times have you gone out and asked for someone's email? Like, oh, blah, 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 over and over again. It's very tedious. And half the time they don't email back. Or what if you just want to say, hey, Twitter, who wants to test out my new app? There's literally no way to do that without signing up for a Google Doc or, you know, or and there's other you know. things I want to do, too. I Ideally, I would want more complex scenarios where I could say, here's an open beta. Please come sign up to try out my app. Mm-hmm. But I would like to actually stagger out to people. I don't want to um, mm-hmm. send them all to the same beta testers all at once. The reason for that is, um, as a general rule of thumb, a beta tester will send you bu- one uh, email one bug report like here's Mm -hmm. all the things i found wrong with your app and then you send out a new version you're like well will you test this version and they're like oh boy this is starting to feel like a lot of work and then they stop responding to you so general rule of thumb beta tester will give you one piece of feedback yeah so if you want feedback through a long development cycle what you really want to do is stagger your beta testers Mm -hmm. so if you get 100 people to sign up do a batch of 20 another 20 another 20 another 20 another 20 do it that way or put them into groups like iTunes or TestFlight allows you to have groups of people. So you can have like a round one or round two, mm-hmm. and then you could add multiple. Yeah. So there's a tool that exists that essentially creates a simple signup page and will automatically register the, the user for a specific app and a specific group in TestFlight. And that's part of test or Fastlane called boarding. Which makes sense because it's like onboarding, like boarding (laughs) a plane. So this is cool. So this is um, a beta sign-up sheet, basically. So you, you, what, host this on a server and then send out a URL to everyone? 
yes, that is correct. <laughs> it's like exactly <laughs> what you've wanted for years, and it totally works. Um, okay, let's say it's a self-hosted server then, right? This is not a service. So this is a piece of software I can get, but I need to run it on my own server. Is that right? That is correct. You need to run it. I believe it is written in rubies and gems <laughs> and rake files and shenanigans. Do I need to know any of that? Because <clears throat> I like to pretend I know how to program in Ruby, but I would hate to actually be tested and have to program in Ruby. <laughs> um, no, you don't. That's Good. the thing. That's Bravo. the that's the beautiful part of it. There's two options. Well, there's three options, really. The code is all on GitHub, and I'll put all these links in the show note, but the code is on GitHub. So if you know anything about Ruby and, and gems and shenanigans, you mm -hmm. could compile this code, tweak it, whatever. Yeah, sure. But just by looking at the website, it creates a very simple, it'll automatically pull down your app icon. It will automatically pull down your app name, and it'll ask for first name, last name, and email and say, get beta access. And when you do that, you can specify what app, what um, test group you want that user to be in, and boom, it creates a mobile-friendly and web-friendly registration page. Uh, and how you get it up there is like multiple ways, right? The first way is to do it all yourself, mm. or you can click one-click deploy to Heroku. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so I like this. Um, I... I'm always a little weary of just downloading someone's big web app and just putting mm -hmm. it up on something. So it's good to know that they have um, like an easy deployment, but I don't know much about this Heroku thing. Um, yeah, so neither <laughs> did I. And I still, I, I remember when I started with my blog early on, it's Ghost and Ghost has like, oh, you can run it on Heroku. And I was like, uh, what's this Heroku thing? And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know what that is. Do you think every listener is rolling their eyes right now? Are they like, oh, you silly mobile programmers. How do you not know much about Heroku? Because <laughs> I, like, I hear the term probably, you know, every week, but doesn't mean I've ever clicked the link or <laughs> actually mm -hmm. read about it. Yeah. And well, so, so, so my understanding of Heroku is it's a way to easily deploy. It's a, I believe it's software as a service, which is, or maybe it's a pass platform as a service. I think it's a pass. Oh boy. As a service gets confusing. But to me, it just looks like a, a an app server. So you just give it a, mm -hmm. some kind of app definition and somehow it magically runs it on its magical yeah. servers. Exactly. It will yeah. run Node.js, mm -hmm. Ruby, Java, PHP, Python, okay. Go, mm -hmm. Scala. Sounds like a Azure competitor then in some form. It it does, except for it doesn't run .NET code, so... Oh, God, isn't that hilarious? Oh, my God. <laughs> so not. Great job, Heroku. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, that being said, the cool thing here is if you're a small independent developer, you can use Heroku for free, right? There's okay. literally a free version. So um, I guess the plus here is I don't have to figure out how to install Ruby. I don't have to run my own server. I just get an account on Heroku and pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's nice. And... There are some cool things there, which is that one, you it'll give you a unique URL. It's free. Like your server spin, it goes to sleep after 30 minutes and then it'll spin back up. So it might take a little bit of time. <laughs> I yeah, remember Azure always did that, at least on the free tiers, mm -hmm. if you got one of the free servers. If you yeah, never hit do. your server very often, you'd have to wait a lot on that first request. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you would set up a little service that would ping your server every oh, 10 minutes. Oh, you cheater. Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Terrible. know, you know. Um, no, that you shouldn't do that. That's bad. Okay. But uh, so anyways, so imagine this registration page, which is not going to get hit very often. It's not even it's not doing anything right. 
you just go and publish it and good to go. Now, the cool thing here is that it will give you a URL that's like whatever your app is, .herokuapp.com, oh, but that's yeah. ugly. So it sure. does have a DNS mapping. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, so did you get an awesome domain? Like, where's all the betas at? .com. <laughs> well, I do officially own xamarinliveplayer.com. Oh, so. well, that's a pretty good URL. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll accept that. <laughs> and then what's cool is if you think about it like this, is you can actually map a subdomain to it as well. So for instance, in your instance, you might have like a alpha dot and then a beta dot and then different groups, you know, that you want to have in. Oh, yeah. Nice. And then deploy multiple apps. Oh, you would actually have to do that multiple versions. Okay. So that's not a built in feature, but it's, it's a good a idea. Yeah. Imagine this as the simplest, easiest <laughs> way yeah. to get it. <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I'm liking this. Um, are there other ways, though, if I'm not all in on this Heroku, um, like, Docker. Docker is the big one, right? Aren't we all supposed to have Docker images of everything? You would think because how else you're going to have to go that first route, which is doing everything. And like me, I'm not a Heroku person. I'd have to sign up for an account. I'd have to learn what the heck Heroku is. But I do know what Azure is. I do mm-hmm. kind of know what Docker is. I don't, <laughs> you know. So reading further down on boarding, it gets into the point that, yes, there is a Docker image. Uh-oh. Okay. I, I sense some hesitation <laughs> because it's sounding like you went the Heroku path, but um, I, I, I like Docker. I've gotten kind of a crash course in it. I'm totally not a server person. Uh, I know how it works. I know all that, but boy, I don't know the details of running Docker images or anything. But did yeah. you find it easy? Did you try it? What happened? Tell me. Um. Well, so, you know, I've definitely demoed it before. And so the idea of Docker is that it's a completely self-contained everything into this image. So it knows about the operating system, the libraries you need, and the source code that you run. Yep. And I love it because you just author this, um, what do they call it, the Docker file, right? And you just list out everything that you need in it, all your dependencies, Mm -hmm. all the code that you need, any startup things when it's creating the image. I've actually started to do this on my own servers, but only to a limited extent, mostly because I forget all the command line arguments. (laughs) And so like, I'll make great progress in one day and write all these Docker files and set up, you know, a five server version of a website. But then, um, the next day, I've totally forgotten how any of it works. <laughs> and so that's that's the only thing that's really held me back. But overall, I really like the technology. I like the idea of it. And I've struggled <laughs> a lot over the time because I've had Donovan explain it to me like over dinner one time. I was like, kind of explain like the terminology. And I actually did a whole pitch for it. And there's there's Docker containers, right? And the yeah. container is it. And then containers have images inside of it. And then you can point at the specific image and then there's a container registry where you register your containers and one of those would be docker hub and docker hub is the largest it's like the github of images right and as far as i know it's a pay for service too so i think it's like github rules where you can have open source containers for free but if you want private containers as in you're hosting some code that you want on only your servers you don't want other people to access it i think that you pay to have those things hosted but i guess you could probably run your own registry too I imagine. I think you can run your own registry and there's Azure has a container registry as well. So you Uh can just publish it up into Azure. Like, so Azure has the idea of, so you still have to run your container and your image somewhere, right? So just because you have an image, you can run it on your local machine. Granted, if you have Docker (laughs) installed. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. So you could take this boarding, 
download the Docker image, run a command line, which will then input all the variables and then run it. And that will create the final image. So you have the container, you, you package it up into your final image, and then you push yep. it somewhere and you have to run it. So you still oh. have to run it somewhere. Sure, sure. So did you try that? Did you try putting it on your local machine and try to spin up your own beta access program locally? So here is my problem is, <laughs> is that I, I didn't want to install Docker on my machine because it installs oh, a bunch of stuff. It's okay. It's I, I, I've installed it on my Mac. It's not that big. The real problem with Docker is you can easily start creating lots of images on your hard drive. And if you're on a little old laptop like I am, it starts to eat up your hard drive. But Docker, the program itself, I've found to not really get in the way of anything. So I think it's pretty safe. Sir. Yeah, I think on <laughs> Windows, it gets very upset because it's a virtual virtualization platform. So it yeah. needs Hyper-V. And I think I have Hyper-V turned off currently so oh okay living in the past there huh okay well well because of how see there's the problem right which is on windows there's the android emulators we're not going to turn this into a whole hyper v oh no (laughs) i see where it just went right okay Mm -hmm. so i've run into this before yeah you run into these conflicts yeah yeah but it should have worked if i had time granted this Mm -hmm. was wednesday right before thanksgiving where i didn't really want it download docker and mess up my full machine does this say hashtag holiday hacks this was kind of a hashtag right before holiday hacks (laughs) okay (laughs) so this should work like this should work i pull it down i run a docker thing and then the question is well why couldn't i just do that in azure because azure you can not only put publish an image but you can also point it at docker hub Mm -hmm. and i tweeted out a question like how could i take this image put it into azure and then run this command. And I couldn't figure out how to do that because it's kind of like the run command is configuring the image. So while I gave the current image to Azure, Azure tries to run and it's like, I don't know what to do because it's not configured. I think that's what happened. Okay, this is is something I was always actually curious about this whole uh, Docker lifestyle. Let's call it that. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, Is how do you handle configuration? Because we've talked over and over, like, yeah, you don't put private keys into source code. And of course, you wouldn't put private keys up into a public Docker image or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I think pretty much any app that you want to distribute with this model, you're going to need some kind of configuration in the beginning when you execute it. So do you think it was just a matter of um, you weren't familiar enough? with Azure to figure it out? Or do you think it's just impossible? (laughs) And I think I just led you to (laughs) that. That was kind of a leading question. Sorry. (laughs) There's a combination of things. Okay. So there's a combination of things happening here. And this is where there's a big disconnect for me from being a mobile app developer to a, I mean, I am a general developer, but I'm an expert in mobile to attempting to do everything. Yeah. So I can understand running an ASP.NET website. I understand right-click publish. I understand (laughs) doing that. When I get into, so like, let's say, for instance, that this was not a Ruby gem and Ruby magic. Let's just say Mm -hmm. it was a website, like it should be, because it's what it should be, right? I mean, the (laughs) idea could have been a .NET app, a .NET core app, or something like that. Could have been a mono app, whatever. Doesn't matter. Literally anything, right? It could be an UI app. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It, it literally it could be. be an it totally app. should be an UI. Could be. So, so that's the thing is, I think I understand that process, and I can, I can deploy, I can deploy any sort of web site. Most likely, I deploy my own Ghost, you know, website. I, I updated it. I got Gulp. I got Grunt. I can do ASP.NET. <laughs> I can do this stuff. The Docker image thing, I think it just confuses me because the code is in there, right? The code is inside 
the yeah. image. It's in the computer. <laughs> you know? It's in the image, yeah. So what I've usually seen is like uh, the Docker file will contain a bunch of like Git clones or something like that in order mm-hmm. to download the code. So once you inflate a Docker file, yeah, all the code is right in that image. And then if you put it up into the registry, it's all there. But yeah, binaries, uh, uh, text code, you know, it's all there. It's a full operating system and everything. Mm-hmm. But I tend to see that as a, a point of power. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't get, I like that aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that um, now that I'm looking a little bit further down at the Docker image, I think all I really had to do there is a make variables. File. There's always envir- environment variables with Docker. It's all YAML files and environment mm-hmm. variables. Yeah, there is an env. There is a Docker file. Docker. There's there's all this stuff here. Yes, I just <laughs> I just think that I thought that I was like, oh man, there's a container. Let me just take that. Where I think if what I should have done is just pulled this down and just try to run the Docker like or the make file on it, and I think I would have been successful. But again. The problem is, is like I'm trying to run through all this documentation where there was this little button over here <laughs> that says do it. And I like the yeah. do it button. Isn't that amazing? Right. So how, how long did we just talk about Docker and we didn't even get anywhere where we're still a tiny bit confused about how you would get it set up? But then, yeah, they had that Heroku button. So I'm starting to see why people like Heroku if you can do such a easy one click deployment. Yeah, I I, I think the future is actually going to be full of all these little web apps doing little things. So it'd be nice to have a better distribution model for them for that. Yeah, I think oh. it's something that <laughs> everyone needs to AWS Azure. Need. There is an Azure deploy to Azure button where mm-hmm. you can do the same thing and it'll okay. spin up all your resources, do everything like that. But of course, Fastlane didn't have that deploy to to Azure. Now, ideally, oh, so. I would have loved a deploy a Heroku app to Azure button. Wait, does that even make sense? Oh, yeah. What if it's a patented YAML file? <laughs> I'm assuming it's YAML. All this server stuff is YAML these days, right? <laughs> I have to imagine. Uh, it's too bad. It's almost, it, it really does make the point that these services are like operating systems, even though they're all probably running Linux and or whatever they're running over in Azure land. But, you know, it's still um, we still have this not bifurcation because there's a bunch of these services, but the split, this fragmented way to deploy web apps. Yeah. You know what I did the last time? I went to AWS what? and got a $5 server. And just started you know installing we have stuff Linux servers in Azure, Frank. You I know don't this. know how. I don't know how to use Azure. I find the portal very confusing. I need a one-click button. Give me Linux server. <laughs> no, okay, so this is what you do. You go to portal. I'm going to do... Everyone at home can follow along. Are you pitching along. me? Okay, let's try this. Let's go to portal.azure.com. I'm going to sign in, okay? Are how long is it going to take you to make a server? Uh, I'm going to find hit, out if I'm signed in. I'm going to hit new. Do you just want a VM? Uh-huh. I, yeah, I just want a little Linux machine, please. You want an Ubuntu server? Yeah, Ubuntu, 1604. So I hit new uh-huh. and I hit Ubuntu and I'm just going to type for Ubuntu, okay? You want 1604 uh-huh. LTS? Yeah, that sounds nice. All right, I'm going to tap on that, uh-huh. hit create. Uh-huh. All right, let's configure this puppy. I'll say Frank's <laughs> machine, username, Frank, password. Boy, we're, we're really going to put the listeners through this to make the yep. point. <laughs> Frank1234. Frank yeah, that's one, a good two, password. Three, I hope we're actually telling tells me everyone. That it's, it's not secure enough. <laughs> Must have an uppercase. Okay, so Frank, one, two, three, four. Uh huh. I hope you're all taking notes. This is good stuff. What does it have? Oh, it has to be 12 characters. So mm. Frank, one, two, one, two three, three, four, three, four, five, five six, six, seven, eight. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Frank. One, two, three, four. I expect five, every listener to log into the server at some point. I'm going to create a new resource group, Frank Linux group. Oh, that's, see, that's complicated already. All right. And resource hit. Groups. I got to put it in a resource group so I can All delete right. it later. Validate. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and pick the very first thing in the list. I'm going to, let's get 16 gigs of storage. That sounds good to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, SSD. I'll use one. Mm, of course. I don't roll any other way. Um, okay. And mm-hmm. I'm going to load this information. We're going to get a 1604 LTS, a D2S version three. I'm going to hit go. How much am I paying for this, man? We're paying Sounds 10 expensive. cents an hour. Oh, I can't do that kind of math. Okay. 10 cents an hour. I'm going to assume that's a thousand a month. I, don't 2, know. I picked a very expensive server. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked a very, and now we're good. We, I just created an Ubuntu server. Okay. Is you that good your enough point, for you? Sir. You made your point. Uh, <laughs> to you everyone out there. into it? Really, I will really never quick? mention the words A, W, or S ever again. Neither of the letters. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that you know that we can do it. We can we can put okay. Linux in, in an Azure resource group. Um, <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so I tried to do this, right? And mm-hmm. I... So that's the very first thing I did. I created a web app for containers, and that's what I tried to do and try to get it up there. And I think I could do it. I think if I just took a little mm-hmm. holiday hack of just putting it and blogging it, in fact, I may yeah. just do that because ideally what I would want to do is I want to control it anyways. In fact, the very first thing that someone told me is, oh, man, it'd be really nice if you could customize that page. And I'm like, oh, man, like you can't do that with Heroku because it's all bundled up. You have no control, right, with the deploy. Oh, so you think you're going to go all the way down to Linux land, huh? You're going to do it that way? You're going to get your hands dirty with gems? Oh, I'm going to get dirty with it. I'm going to, no, I'm going to do, no, I'm going to do a Docker, right? I'm going to okay, fork it. Okay, you're going to go Docker. Okay, but you can modify the image, I guess is what you're saying. Go that so way. So what I'm going to do, here's my plan, okay? So mm-hmm. I think if you wanted to do this correct, mm. because, see, we started this episode, like, shouldn't, shouldn't Dockers be easy and, like, images <laughs> and, like, it's going to be great, right? Yeah. It's great if you... Or if you're doing it from start to finish, right? Or if it's perfect. Yeah. And the problem here is I'm going to have to get into those gems, into those rubies, if you will. <laughs> I'm going to be like Link over here just with yeah. rubies and gems and ruples. Um, so I've gone through this once before, um, my little machine learning server. Mm. What I, I was having trouble with, um, well, Python versions, to be honest. It turns out there's all sorts of versions of different libraries with different dependencies and all that stuff. And then even getting the NVIDIA drivers to work right on Linux was kind of a pain. Mm. And so I finally got this machine up and running and I decided to put Docker on it. And now I access all that stuff through Docker, ironically. And I did it that way just so that I wouldn't screw things up because the Docker file works as a good list of all your dependencies and things like that. Yeah, so I've gone through this before. Just want to warn you, it's a bit of a pain because every time you make a little change, you got to rebuild the image, rerun the image, play around with it. Oh, I did something wrong. Go back and test it all over again. But in the end, it's nice because you have very good documentation of all your dependencies and stuff. So you really think you're going to put yourself through that? Um, Maybe. <laughs> I don't want you to feel beholden because you announced it on a very public podcast to thousands and thousands of listeners. <laughs> I think that I think that the idea, in fact, we had we had a listener write in about this, which kind of sparked this conversation in a weird, mm-hmm. odd way. Uh, Chris, Chris wrote in and says, have you incorporated Docker containers into your dev workflow? He's like, you know, it, it should get rid of that works on my machine because everything's yeah. sandboxed or whatever. 
And it's different for every dev, right? And like yeah. in your instance, you're not really doing mobile work at all. You're doing some server or machine learning mm-hmm. work and it kind of makes sense. And I have seen when Docker is used and orchestrated, like it blows my mind, but then like, I don't know, like I just don't use it enough on a daily basis where it really helps me, I guess. Um, I think it could, yeah. but I don't I, know. I think I've always fantasized about this of having like some kind of virtual image and doing all my dev work out of a virtual image. And mm-hmm. I used to try that kind of stuff. I know Docker is more advanced than just having virtual machines and all that, but it's the same principle of creating a standard environment in which you do all your work. And I think the idea is great and everything, but the truth is I, I use a GUI desktop environment that's not designed to be Dockerized, you know, get mm-hmm. Mac OS into a Docker image and then we'll talk. But <laughs> until then, I'm not going to become um, a Linux user, basically, like a, a command line only person. I want to use yeah. my GUI. I want to use my GUI tools and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so it just hasn't worked out for me because these operating systems just don't Dockerify like that. But if it does work for you, if you do work in that kind of environment, well, more power to you. It's pretty great, I think. Yeah, I think it's great if you, if it works for your business and your organization and everything like that. I mean, I understand it and I know it's really popular and trending and I should totally learn it, but then it doesn't really (laughs) apply to my day to day. So then I'm not really incentivized, (laughs) which is why I may want to go through this practice just to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Just as that, just as practice. Yeah, I I did actually have the need on that Linux machine for what I was doing, but I also did see it that way of this whole world is talking about Docker. I better not fall too far behind or I'll be a old man very fast. So got to keep up. (laughs) I think it's okay. I think it's okay to not try to learn every like Mm -hmm. i think the concepts like that was my big struggle is like i needed to understand like what docker was what an image what a container is what a registry is what docker hub is and how what what is that because then there's about a thousand things like mesosphere and there's orchestrators and there's Mm -hmm. clusters and kubernetes Kubernetes. and i'm like what (laughs) is what is going on yeah yeah, this is my um, life where I don't understand any of these buzzwords. But. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, there's professionals working in that area that still have to do a lot of work to keep up, too. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we focus on the mobile and all that. But as we keep saying, it's hard to do mobile development without having to deal with a server at some point and just how the world works. And I think um, keeping up and actually <laughs> so we're not just making fun of Docker, but actually using it in our day to day will be a good step. It would be a good step. I think that, yeah, you're, you're right. Probably for some microservices or something like try it out because I think in the long term it ends up just saving you more money than just spinning up a, a website or whatever and having it run there, right? I think that's the You know, I just had goal. this problem. Um, we'll bring an anecdote into this where I have a server that was running a bunch of my app uh, websites. These are just, you know, small promotional websites. If you want to see the app, go to this website. It wasn't functional. It wasn't holding any data or anything. It's just some index.html and a bunch of images, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I accidentally didn't pay the bill for the server <laughs> for a month. <laughs> And guess what they did? They deleted the server. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world because I use Git and I have copies of all these websites. I can I can de- redeploy them. The problem was the configuration of the server. I couldn't remember all the fancy Apache settings I had, all the security settings for this or that or the other thing. And I realized pretty much right then that I have to take servers a little more seriously. This isn't the 1990s anymore. I shouldn't just be SSHing in and hacking around. I should do things a little bit more rigorously. 
that story does have a happy ending, though. Um, they <laughs> they deleted the virtual server, but they didn't delete the disk image. So I was able to get the disk image back and get it up and running again. Thankfully. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible mistake, though. Well, I think that I don't have much more else to say on Docker. <laughs> I don't hey, know. I'm, I'm excited for the new beta setup process. And I think it's funny that we're all having to run our own services again, but it's good to know that these high-level services are out there to make our lives more easy. Yeah, I think that um, I'm, to, to kind of bring it full circle is I, I think that there's all these great tools out there, like you're saying, and it's fun to stumble upon something where I'm like, I have this problem, and guess what? That thing totally exists, and it blows <laughs> my mind that I can deploy it in a few different ways, and I have the ability to do that, which is which is really mind-blowing um, in general. So it really excites me because now I don't have to parse CSV files, and that really brings <laughs> joy to my day-to-day life. <laughs> uh, I just don't have to remember my iTunes password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. so... I think that's about it. And you know what I wanted to do, though, Frank, before we we get out of here? What's that? Um, I promised our listeners that if they wrote in a review on iTunes, that I would read it back. Oh, no. Is it going to be a bad review? Are they going to make fun of us? No, 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 no. So people, you know, I really appreciate all of our listener feedback. You know, just going to mergeconflict.fm, writing us an email like Chris did, like that literally sparked the conversation uh, this week around it, um, which is really fun and just getting spiraling on not knowing anything about Docker. So you can tweet <laughs> at us and yell at us about how idiotic we are about Docker, but yeah, that's fine. I really look forward to the feedback from this episode in particular. <laughs> that should be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to read a few here. Um, the first one is by... Um, uh, Give it a shot. I can't, I can't even... Like Winnie the Pooh is cute. That's what that's what it is. Like Pooh okay. is cute, but like P O H as in Winnie the Pooh. Ah. Um, it says there are a few TV shows that I watch when they air, like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, and only one podcast: Merge Conflict. What? Nice. Mm-hmm. Every Monday, <laughs> yeah. Every Monday, I look forward to hanging out with James and Frank. The topics and banter are awesome. Well, except for the thirty-seven straight machine learning and AI shows. What did you add that, or did you actually write that? No, this is totally the review. I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> it says I'm dead serious. It says great job, guys. Real talk from real devs. Five star review titled "Making Mondays Rock." <laughs> well, that's um, awesome. Poo. Yeah, real good. That sounds weird to call you Pooh, but thank you, Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I really like that. That was really a good one. Then we had a shorter one um, from B time times five minus three plus J. That's a really I don't understand that. I, I like how smart our <laughs> listeners are, though. These are very clever. Yeah, that, I don't understand any of that. But it says, um, they talk about awesome stuff. I don't know, and I should know. Great job, guys. <laughs> well, I think this week we showed that we don't know always either. <laughs> and sometimes we just have to talk it out and figure out what we do know. We have to pool our knowledge and discover things like Docker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about, Frank, magically? No, just a great day. <laughs> no. Um, I, I have a fear of servers. I think this is our long-running joke. I don't know if this is going to do anything to abate it, but um, I'm happy to see you venturing out, and I hope you uh, aren't too scarred from it all. Yep. 
My, me either. And I hope I would love to hear from our listeners to see if they've been scarred and <laughs> abused by Docker and images and containers and Kubernetes and clusters and registry containers and all that stuff. Let us know. You can write into the show each and every week by just going to mergeconflict.fm. That is correct. Mergeconflict.fm. Um, and that will send us an email or you can follow us at mergeconflict.fm. You can follow me at James Montemagno at Proclarum for Frank over there. Until next week, this has been another amazing, astonishing episode of Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.